Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Unplugged. My name is Jacob Puckett and I'm the host of the podcast. I want to say that I really appreciate you for tuning in to another episode as we wrap up part two of our series on Hugo's Heroes, remembering the hard work and dedication of the Blue Ridge line technicians and operations team that were faced with the destruction of that powerful and historic storm. Now, if you haven't listened to part one of the series, I encourage you to head back and give it a listen before hearing this episode. It really sets the stage for great conversations that we have in this segment. And without further ado, we'll dive right back into a great continued conversation with Director of Operations Robert Kent and Operations Managers Jeff Benfield and Mike Kincaid as they talk about the aftermath of the storm and some of the brighter moments involving some of our great cooperative members in a dark time. Did we have SCADA then, Jeff? Do you remember? Robert, I, I, I was not thinking that we did. I, I didn't think we did either. So, you know, if you think back, I think like right early 90s, I was thinking. But yeah. like I said, I was a, I was a apprentice three and uh, yeah. I had for a couple of years. I was in the second year of line work. So, you know, I was, you know, kind of wild eyed right there. But uh, uh, I, I remember the, the, you know, the, the awe moment was when um, Bruce Grum sent me down there, uh, you know, backside of Bob King there, and uh, I went to look that line out. And the first thing I saw was I said, "Well, I called him, and when I was on the radio, we didn't have a cell phone, so I said we got a broke pole." And all of a sudden, I turned the corner, and as far as I could see, they had broke poles, and you know, I had this like uh, overwhelming, you know, for you know a young lineman at the time, you know, because. That was how thin we were. We sent, you know, we have 13 linemen. I think they sent every person out by themselves just to assess the damage. Remember that, Robert? That yeah. First, that we got regrouped. And um, I go back to Shot Army again. He always did. He said, okay, guys, we got to regroup, come in, regroup, you know. And uh, when we did, we all went out separate. And, you know, you had meter readers, um, uh, Apprentice linemen, all the way to crew leaders, looking at different lines and writing down everything that was down, broke, whatever. And and then uh, time we got back in, we realized what we had. And and then uh, of course you start getting crews in here. And I don't remember how many crews we had Robert in here, but uh, yeah, they were the hard. They were hard to get, of course, from North Carolina because of yeah. the storm. But they eventually came. And uh, I'll never forget me and Larry Wagner and Eric Laws was in a service truck, but we didn't have all buckets in either. All this was done, a lot of this was done by climbing. Uh, you had very few buckets back in 89, and, and we'd worked there for you know, a couple of weeks, and this group from Blue Ridge Mountain come in, and uh, they jumped out there and they had fresh, and we had about 10 spans down feeding off Ike Storms, and they said, guys, don't worry, we'll hoop these poles. And we, Larry Wagner looked at me, and, he said, what did they say? I said, I, I, they said it again. I said, well, let them do whatever they're going to do. So we're going to sit here and watch them for a minute. <laughs> we had to get some fresh people, but they, instead of climbing, they called it hoop the pole. So uh, it really, you really look glad to see the help come in when you've been out there 18 hours a day for two weeks or so. Uh, always a good, good feeling. You know, you guys are talking about, you know, other crews coming in from other states, which I know, um, you know, it's not something that you want to do because it's a sign that you had a really bad storm. But how long was the recovery for this storm? You know, when was 
what was the time frame to the point where you say you could breathe a sigh of relief and feel like, yeah, okay, we think we finally got it all back on, and I think we're good to go on this? Uh, I, I remember um, approximately 14 days is, wow. is what I remember to getting the people, the you know, the residents with the power back on that could get the power back on. There were a lot of services down. Um, it seemed like after the 14-day period, you know, of course, we were still working the storm, but you would go out and, you know, there'd be lost services torn down and meet people's meter hubs torn off their houses and things like that, that we couldn't hook back up. Um, but I think by and large, we had most of our circuits back up and going and everybody that could receive power back on in 14 days in Caldwell. And I know up in the mountain districts, they ended up coming down to Lenore and, and helping out and with the restoration process down here in Lenore. Um, so I, I, that, that's what I remember. Um, Jeff or Mike might tell you a different story, but I think that's pretty close. For me, it was, uh, they seen us the Staircase Mountain. And when they got back on that evening, and we went back up through Gary's Flat, going back to the mountain, uh, that's when I knew it was over with then. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, that was the last place we ended up at was on Staircase of Work. And that was a staircase of getting back on the mountain too, instead of on the road. <laughs> yes, it was. It, I remember carrying my tools. It's a pretty good walk in there. It was because it, there was nothing on the road, and uh, we had to carry our tools in to climb them and, and some fertile <laughs> poles back in there on the side of that mountain in place too. And me and Robert were talking that day when you sent this out. Uh, you know, remember, you know, like you said after. 14 days you had what you could have on, then you know, another week you had this off, you know, some of the board services on. Then all of a sudden you're just in, you, we had Toyotas or service trucks or whatever, and you just had a load of lights. And uh, you know, that's when you went back and repaired the street lights. I mean, everybody was out there and, and you were high service trucks in Toyota. I think Robert said he's in a Toyota and uh, going around repairing street lights. Because uh, it, it takes a while to repair everything. You can get the power back on, but then then you got everything else where you got services down and street lights to repair. You know, kind of switching around what we're talking about with the storm. I want to talk about more like personally. How are these storms for your families? Because I know you have to be away a lot. You know, working during these storms. Do you worry during big storms like this, or do you? You know, how do, how do you balance? the challenge of trying to get the power back on in a situation like that, you know, with making sure your family's taken care of and making sure everybody's safe at home. Well, for us, every year we have a little get together at Christmas, uh, our district, and we have the wives there. And I always thank the wives because the wives have to be strong too. During Hugo, uh, we was on new power, so I couldn't get my own power back on. And my wife was at home with a two and a half year old baby with no power for a month and with way working and you know you have limbs down and some some people had actually trees leaning on their house and you know all that just kind of goes um you know you just have to lay it to the side babies at home and they're without power so without power you're not getting baths because you got cold water and uh yeah there's a lot going on so you know your your mind's there but you got to have your mind focused on your job and the families do give up a whole lot on the linemen, when the phone rings, they're up and going. And they miss birthdays and they miss uh, Christmases and 
and you name it, they probably missed it at some point in time, but it's just not the Lyman neighbor. Uh, when big storm comes through like this, it's everybody at Blue Ridge that's working. It's not just one little group. It's the whole whole thing. Uh, something I remember about Hugo, it rains so much after Hugo in the restoration process. You know, a week after, we had torrential rains on like a Sunday, I remember. And um, you'd pull it on the hand line so much or you'd worked with your hands so much, your hands had started cracking open. And so I remember putting other bomb on my hands and getting tube socks put over my hands, both hands, um, because my hands had cracked open so bad and they were hurting so bad um, from from the work and just the wet weather that you were dealing with throughout this storm. It, it was, storm was bad, but after the restoration process, we just torrential rains for a week after and it, it was, it was tough conditions. You remember in September, you know, it, it turned cold too. Yeah. It, it, only, it was only like for two or three days, but the, the rains would come in and most of the time it's warm, but it, it turned cold there for a few days. Uh, I, I remember everybody was, uh, couldn't believe it there in September, you know, how, how it was cold. And uh, that was a different scenario too. And I know you guys were talking about how much damage was caused by the storm. And I imagine a lot of that was done by hand, especially in 1989. So does that just add a different element to it as well? You know, when you're talking about that kind of workload and crews having to set poles by hand and things like that. What was that experience like then versus now? Um, uh, I mean, for, for me, it's it's technology, but I think we've already talked about a little bit is, you know, I think we maybe had three bucket trucks um, in Lenore at the time. I don't remember that exact, but uh, I never, well, yeah, I did get on one of the small buckets, but um, we had very few buckets like we do now. Now we have, you know, numerous buckets. Also, um, you know, I mentioned skate and that that's where we can control devices and monitor devices from the office. And we didn't have that in place that I remember at the time. So we really, I mean, like Jeff said, we had to go patrol the line. So that was a technology that is new to us. And then, um, you know, if you think of 89, that's what, 30, 32 years ago. Um, and we have moved a tremendous amount of lines on the roads um, or closer to the roads, whether it be 321 Highway Road Project or maybe even Mike was mentioning mentioning Staircase Mountain. You know, we've just moved a lot of lines on the roads and been more accessible, and that makes a huge difference um, during a storm like this, um, where you can pull up to the side of the road and set a pole with the truck versus having to gin a pole in on the side of the mountain. Like I remember at um, Jeff, where were we? At Curly Mountain. And back when the three phase used to go back on the back side of the mountain across them rock bluffs, and uh, yeah, and you know, and two. Raw, you know, then with up there, like you said, hand digging, and now we have track machines. Right. And, and if the track machines gone, you, you we still have uh, track hose, so we can use both those to set poles with. Now, where you see, you had to kind of just you know, tie ropes together, just three or four foot away to get it in there. Then you had to hand dig it and hand set it, and uh, the the equipment has helped as much as the technology. The technology. You know, keeps you from running back and forth, where they can operate the breakers and stuff in the office and uh, and the equipment. You know, it relieves you a lot, a whole lot of your back. Uh, your back feels better at the end of the day when you got a track machine versus uh, snap diggers. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, when we came to Caldwell, Jeff, to help help down there, uh, 
Bud Falls was with us for two or three days. Yeah. He was back at second post. Yeah, Bud, Bud Falls, he, he's a member, Jacob, and uh, yeah, he, was, he was a real asset to us. Yeah, we have him and Mike Willis and some of them back in the day when we, we didn't have trackers, they had backhoes and, and they'd come in and uh, help haul poles and dig holes for us. And uh, so members get involved too in the storms. I mean, you use their businesses. Uh, uh, we have people on our system. Uh, we, we do the rural country, of course, and they have uh, different equipment back then. And we've always helped them out and uh, they've helped us out. And then too, if you're in a place, a lot of times they'll let you borrow your four wheeler. Uh, you know, we're trying to line out and or haul material in. So, you know, the members come in and play too. They're wanting power on, and and uh, we have some really good members out there that uh, say, you know, my house is open. Take what you need, and and uh, so uh, a lot of times we utilize that and borrow some four wheelers and different things to get in some of these poles. That's awesome. That's something you don't think about very often. Is thinking about how the members rally together during this. And, I, and that kind of just speaks to the whole cooperative nature, really. Um, you, you know, it, it's just different at a cooperative. It's different when you're a member of a cooperative and we're all a team. We're all trying to help each other out. So that's, that's an incredible testament and story to that storm. And I guess it kind of leads into my last question for you guys. What were your lessons learned from the storm? What would you bring uh, to future storms because of that one storm? Did anything in your mind or your mindset or the way you work change because of that specific storm in Hurricane Hugo? I reckon a lot. The, the lesson is you know, we kind of stay uh, uh, focused on planning when you see one coming. Like Robert said, Bob Barrett said at the end, now we have uh, different people watching the weather uh, and it, it's real good. We always try to stay prepared. Every day, I mean, not a whole lot changes. You're just checking ankles of wire, and uh, yeah, this time of day right now, when with the COVID, you've, you've got to stay on top of it. Make sure you have materials because materials are just not readily handy like they normally are. So you, right now, we're trying to make sure we keep our warehouses full uh, because if you, you have a bad store, you start ordering whether well, there's not there. So uh, just planning, probably. Yeah, I, I would uh, agree with that. I think, um, you know, lessons learned from that storm is, um, you know, it's important, Jacob, we we, we take the, the linemen, we do our things and prepare, but but also the, the hotels for the people coming in, the meals that are made. Um, I think, I think if I remember back, you know, it's been a long time ago, I think I actually gained weight um, during Hugo because of all the food that was given to us by our members. Uh, I remember instance where, um, you know, tobacco used to be a big crop in the Grace Chapel community and, you know, they were drying tobacco right at that time and they had their dry kills and they depended on um, electricity to run the fans to, to dry the tobacco and they were right in the middle of that and this thing hit and that's their livelihood. They, they, they work for that and so they all got together and came up to, to Blue Ridge and, and met here. And so we decided to make an effort to go out and just get the tobacco barns back on. There was a lady who came down and gave us some fried apple pies she'd made on the wood stove. And um, I was putting the truck back up. We got the tobacco barn back on and Bernard Green said, what are you doing? And I said, well, we're going on the next. And he said, no, we're not. He said, we're getting this lady's power back on. And she was the one that gave us the fried apple pies on the wood stove. So, uh, so I think, just the coming together of the community of of um, Blue Ridge 
uh, as a whole from you know the front office to the corporate office to everybody had to come together and um, so I think for me the lesson learned is um, you know look around within the company and don't and use everybody everybody wants to help everybody's got something they can do and to be sure not to leave somebody out but but normally just have to ask and they're very willing to do whatever you ask them to do whether it be deliver meals or whatever so everybody wants to be a part of it and everybody can be a part of it and uh, and we've also talked about the community so um, it's, it's coming together um, when you have a major event to for the for the good restoration as always thank you for tuning in to another episode of unplugged I really encourage you, if you like this episode or any of our episodes, to hit the subscribe button so the podcasts come directly to whatever device you're listening to us on immediately when the podcast episodes are released. And until next month, I'm your host, Jacob Puckett.